Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. Truck 23, you're needed at the north side. I'll just let it go to voicemail. Not with Bush to talk from peak PTT. You can't ignore that. I'll answer in a couple of minutes. They don't know where I am. You've been booped. They know exactly where you are. GPS, man. I'll just say I didn't hear it. Nobody misses a boop. Answer the boop. Answer the boop. Oh, yeah, you're right. Truck 23 here on my way. Find your people with a boop. Booptotalk.com. Boop. Intel Inside. Intel, that's, that's the music. That is it. That's the song. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. It's officially called Leap Ahead. We've been hearing that for a while, haven't we? Yeah, I'm not sure how long they've been running that one for, but it, yeah, it's been a while. Remember, there was even a while there where they had the Blue Man Group do a little bit of Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if everybody's probably guessed, today we're talking about Intel. Intel. Intel's kind of a neat company, you know, because today, you know, it's one of the dominant companies in the technology space. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they make the chips that run, frankly, most of the computers in the world. But they've come a long way, baby, from their first year in business. So they started in 1968. Guess how much money they made in 1968? How much money did they make in their first year? They do $21 billion today. $21 billion. $21 billion, B, $21 billion. How much do you think they did in 1968 in their first year? Did they actually make money? They lost money, but what do you think the revenues were? 1968, a couple million. $2,678. Wow. (laughs) I wonder if they had a full-time accountant to to count that. Yeah. And and when I say 21 billion, that was their profitability. They do like 80 billion in sales and they've got a hundred thousand employees today. So they've come a long ways, baby, from that 2,678 bucks in their first year. So Intel was officially founded by Gordon Moore and Robert Noyce. And Moore is probably familiar to a lot of people because Moore is so influential. He's got a law named after him. Yeah, he's, I was going to say, he's the Moore's Law guy. He's the Moore's Law. And that law is the thing that drove development and thinking and technology space for decades. And Moore's Law states the number of transistors on a chip will double every 18 months. And that's pretty much what happened. So you're a big deal when you got a law named after you that people outside the technology industry know. I think it's still applicable. I mean, they're finding weird new ways of just keep doing it. Yes, but it's still very much happening and very much drives the thinking and, and the design. But here's the thing. Our story today, it's going to be actually about Andy Grove. Okay. So Andy Grove, while he's not one of the founders, he was the first employee. He had joined on incorporation day. The day they incorporated, Andy Grove joined. And he's been described as the guy who drove growth in Silicon Valley. So again, he's a very, very big deal. And right from the start, he was the CEO of Intel. And Grove was born to a middle-class Jewish family in, in Budapest, Hungary. And when he was eight years old, the Nazis occupied Hungary. Mm-hmm. And he and his mom were deported to a concentration camp. 
Now, he and his mother took on false identities. They were sheltered by friends and eventually found their way to America. So when he was in the U.S., he had this job as a busboy while studying at Hunter College. And he got his chemical engineering degree at City College in 1960. And then he went on to get a PhD from Berkeley in 1963. So clearly, very smart, determined yeah. guy, right? Now, in the early days, he worked doing integrated circuits at a company called Fairchild Semiconductors before joining Intel. And there's all sorts of business books about Grove, about his management style, about how he believed you need to stay scared in business to stay ahead. But this podcast is not going to be about that. This podcast is going to be about what to do when the world changes. What to do when the world changes. Which is, I think, very timely for where we are today. Oh and Andy God, yeah. Grove and more have a really interesting insight on what to do. You see, Intel reached a stage where their business was under siege. It was the mid-1980s, and most of the technology being used was in chips that were invented by Intel. But they were losing market share. They were losing market share right, left, and center. And one of the things that Grove is often talks about in his business books is how to identify and manage crisis points. So we also got to keep in mind, it's easy to sit there and say this was easy, but it wasn't. We got to keep in mind that the survival of Intel was far from sure. Let me list you other technology leaders in the chip space that were around at that time. Do you remember Mostech? Mm, no. Unisem? No. Advanced Memory Systems? These were all leaders and they're all gone. So, so success was not assured at that time. And the biggest decision that faced Intel happened in 1980 that completely changed their business. So what had happened was the Japanese memory chip manufacturers decided to go after Intel. They said, you know what? We are taking down Intel. This is very similar to what Canon did to Xerox. Focus on a particular company and said, we're taking them down. And they decided that they were going to win with what they called the 10% rule, which was undercut Intel by 10%. No matter what price Intel did, 10%. If Intel matched it, they would go down 10% again, just relentlessly driving down the prices. And got to remember, this business that Intel was in at that time, they invented this business. So this was a real crisis for Intel. Most of the patents mm -hmm. were there. They invented this business and they were under siege. So they went into planning mode and they thought, well, you know what? What we could do is we could build a new giant factory in the hopes of establishing a cost advantage right? That, that's how we'll win. We'll win by cost advantage, or we'll push the technology envelope and build new superior memory chips. Because at that time, what they're making was memory chips, or we'll target another niche market. We'll find some niche market and we'll make something along that lines. And they spent a year doing this type of planning of what were they going to do to push back in the mem memory chip market. Mm -hmm. So after a year of this, Andy Grove came to a really interesting realization. He looked at all of these answers, everything that they had dreamt of, all the brainstorming that they did, and they said, none of these were going to solve the problem. None of them. Okay. So Grove then went to Gordon Moore and he asked this question. He sat down with Gordon Moore and he said, hey, Gordon, if we got kicked out and the board brought in a new CEO, what do you think he would do? Hmm. And more answered without hesitation, he'd get us out of the memory chip business. So Grove replied, well, why shouldn't you and I walk out the door, turn around, come back in and do that ourselves? 
Stay tuned, we're gonna wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. How's business? Yeah, good. Why isn't it great? Uh, we, we were growing 20, 30% every year for five years. Then we went flat in the last three. Growth used to be easy. Now, nothing we do seems to have the same effect anymore. If you're not growing, you're dying, and I can't stand to think we've hit the top and are coming back down. So you build a hell of a castle and you're worried. Maybe it's time to build an empire. Huh? What you got here won't get you to where you want to go. You need a fresh perspective. There's these guys that are looking for business owners just like you. Smart, customer-focused, but with flat sales. What do they do? Build empires, but they don't work with just anyone. You have to be customer-focused. So what exactly do they do? Some say they're marketers, but I call them crusaders. Check out their website at empirebuilderprogram.com. Like what you see, set up a meeting. Crusaders, empires, castles. I think someone's been getting so old they're medieval. Empirebuilderprogram.com. Check it out before you become a dinosaur. You mean dragon. No, I mean dinosaur. They were good too, for a while. Sure you want to be just good? Empirebuilderprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. So Grove replied, Well, why shouldn't you and I walk out the door, turn around, come back in, and do that ourselves? And that's what they did. They got out of their core business. They got out of memory chips. And they went into the microprocessor business, which at the time was a distant second place in terms of revenues for them. Tiny, tiny part of their business. It was a bold move. They abandoned their main business, the thing that represents the vast majority of their revenues and patents and history to go after this Mm -hmm. brand new little small business. And they didn't sort of go, oh, let's pivot. They slid the chips across the table and went all in. They walked away from the core business and they did the thing that they knew represented the future. That's hard to do, man. That is. Right? What a great question. Yeah. We got kicked out and the board brought in a new CEO. What do you think they would do? Because all of a sudden that means they're not attached to any of that history. Yeah. And I think this getting locked in to your existing business is the reason why so much innovation that we see today comes from outsiders. Like, think about it. Uber, Airbnb, they're outsiders. Apple, when it entered the music business, was an outsider. So much innovation comes from the outsiders because I think the insiders aren't asking that question that Grove asked of more. It's interesting, you know, what it brings to mind, um, the whole idea of when you do get attacked from outside, right? And and some of that that's going on today is uh, like these big hedge funds that, would you apply that as well? Like, like should a business owner say, well, if, if a hedge fund bought us out, they have their own reasons, right? What would they do? And do you do that? Yeah, I'm not sure about that because hedge funds often have a different approach and and are very short-term financial focused and whatnot. But I think the really interesting thing was really it's more about if I wasn't tied to the history of this business, I didn't have that baggage and none of that mattered to me and I didn't develop these things and I didn't do all this stuff, what would I do if I had a brand new, absolute, clean slate, what would I do? And I think that's the part that's really interesting about it because then it's not about, oh, we can't do that because we do this, or I can't do that because it ends up becoming, no, this is what, if I had a brand new clean slate and none of this history, this is what I would do. Then why aren't you doing it? Yeah. 
I think it's a great question. I think it's, it's, it's such a great strategy focus and question and premise. It seems to have worked out for them too. It's worked out huge. You know, we look at all of these other companies that were leaders in the 80s that failed. Intel went on to become an even bigger monster than it was at that time. And they did it by having the guts to actually abandon the thing that made them great, go all in on where they thought the future would be and be part of that future. And, you know, I also think today, we also have to recognize that if you don't change that future, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. I think you also have to, this might even be a topic for another episode, but I think you also have to give them credit for somehow becoming a part of everybody's brand with the insertion of their name on a sticker yeah. and in branding commercials, right? So you didn't hear about a PC clone that didn't have Intel inside. And that's that's true on Macs, it's true on PCs. It, 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 they became, even though they're just a, another part inside of a computer, they became almost as important as the brand of the computer you were buying. Yeah, and I think in a future one, we can, we can talk about that because that was really had to do with their battle with advanced micro devices with AMD. When AMD moved into the market mm-hmm. with a lower price chip, this was Intel's response to it. So I think that would make a really interesting AMD versus Intel one for the future. But it's really incredible when you get somebody like Andy Grove, who was uprooted and came to the United States with nothing, built this thing. And then, you know, more being so insightful that he had this law around him. And and while Andy Grove's question was really insightful, Moore's answer was equally insightful. Yeah, He was like, I would do this. Mm -hmm. And then they both had the guts to go, all right, let's do it. What a huge pivot. Huge pivot. Yeah. Intel, amazing company that really deserves our admiration. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to schedule your own 90-minute Empire Building session, you can do it at empirebuildingprogram.com.